Today we're going to get back into our place in our study in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we skipped ahead to Easter, of course, last Sunday in Luke 24. But we're going back to Luke chapter 9 this morning, and we're going to dig in one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever performed, and it's uh, the feeding of the 5,000. I'm going to start out by reading Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 20. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. But he said to his disciples, Make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and twelve baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Let's pray. Father, we come in your presence today and thank you so much for your word. I pray that as we take a fresh look at this miracle, that God, you would speak to us the lesson that we need to learn. I pray that, God, you would teach us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. We, of course, believe unequivocally the Bible teaching of Jesus feeding this multitude of people. As a matter of fact, we, we have the number here, 5,000, but that's just the men. Um, with women and children, it had to be over 10,000 people. Just imagine, 10,000 people out there. And Jesus fed them all with five barley loaves and two small fish. And the bread, the barley loaves, were not like you, humongous loaves of Italian or French bread. They were like little biscuits. That's all they had. But Jesus performed a miracle. And we have no problem because we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he can do anything that he wants to do. And when the Bible says he did it, we believe that with, uh, with no equivocation at all. Well, Jesus had um, sent the 12 disciples out on a special trip in the beginning of chapter 10, or chapter 9, verse 10, and they had just came back. Now, this probably took several weeks and maybe even some months, and they were sent to heal. They were sent to preach the gospel of the kingdom, and they came back, and they were excitedly telling the Lord all that God had done. And the, the fame of Jesus and the disciples was, was spreading so much that even King Herod had heard about what was going on. So with all of the busyness and all of the teaching and all of the work and all of that, Jesus knew that his disciples needed a little break. They needed to unwind. 
They needed to go into a place where they can just hang out, you know, with Jesus and not have to be uh, meeting the needs of all of these multitudes of people. So Jesus took them on a little retreat. He, he said, let's go into a, a ship, a little boat, and they were going to the area of Bethsaida. And so he got on the ship, but the multitudes that he had left, they watched the disciples and the boat sail along the shore, and so they just followed him. They followed him until they got to a place, and so as the disciples were wanting to take a break, all of the multitudes of people met Jesus at the boat. The first thing that we notice in this passage of Scripture is Jesus has compassion for the multitude. They had plans for rest and refreshment. As a matter of fact, the parallel passage in Mark chapter 6 says this, And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. After such a strain, for several weeks or months, they sorely needed rest for body and mind. I think that the Lord knows that we... Even uh, those who serve the Lord in a full-time capacity need a a time of rest and refreshment. Jesus even knew that. Um, I heard one pastor says, I never take a day off. The devil never takes a day off, so why should I take a day off? And then somebody said, you think the devil's a good example to follow? You know, (laughs) all of us need to unwind. You know, the bow that is constantly bent will break. You got to unstring you got to take a time of rest and refreshment. Some people golf as uh, rest or refreshment, you know. I, I went golfing about this many times in my life. And when I was trying to get that ball to go straight, it was more frustrating. It was definitely not rest. So I'd rather sit by a fishing hole and throw my uh, rod in there. That's rest or refreshment for me. Everybody has their own idea of how. But the Lord knows that we need that. And that's what he was telling his disciples. But as they were getting ready for their retreat, they got off the boat. And guess who's there? Everybody's there. They've been following the boat along the shore And even though they were about to take a vacation, Jesus interrupted their retreat because all these people showed up like lost sheep. He could have looked at these people as an encroachment on their serenity, but he had compassion for their needs. You know, there's something that I hear all the time here in Charlotte County. It's getting crowded here in Charlotte County. Traffic is increasing There's more businesses, more homes going up. Why don't they go somewhere else? I've got my little piece of paradise. Let them find it somewhere else. You ever feel like that? I have to admit, sometimes I I do feel like that. But, and we hear, we hear echoed the words of the disciples who said later on, send the multitudes away. Send them away. Let them go somewhere else to get something. Let me tell you, first of all, that Charlotte County is not paradise. There's only one paradise, and you've got to die to get there, you know. The, the other thing that I'd like to share with you is this. We need to look at this through the eyes of Jesus. We enjoy the water. We enjoy the view. We enjoy the weather. We enjoy our homes, but these are not treasure. 
Jesus says people are the treasure. People who need Jesus. So more people in this area means more opportunities to reach these people for Jesus. So don't think of inconvenience. Don't think of traffic. Think of the lost people that need the Lord and our opportunities to reach more people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to think and see things through the eyes of our Lord. I'm sure when Je- if Jesus was here and he sees all this traffic, he would say, man, I wish they'd stay up north. Or, man, I wish they wouldn't build here on the coast, you know, or anything. He would say, wow, look at all these people that need me. And I think that we need to take a look at people like this. Mark 6, 34, and Jesus, when he came out, saw this great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. What did these multitudes need? First of all, they needed teaching. Like sheep, not having a shepherd, there were so many people out there in our communities that don't know the word of God at all. You know, we lived in a generation perhaps before when people had a a basic understanding of the Bible. They knew who Jesus was. They knew uh, what the Bible was. They knew the basic things. But there is coming up a generation of children and teens and adults who have no clue what's in the word of God. And I believe that it is our responsibility just to teach the Word of God. The most important thing we can do is to be a Bible teaching and a Bible preaching church. Regularly, systematically, expository teaching of the Bible needs to be our niche here at the church. Other churches may do a better job of feeding hungry people, entertaining them, And have better programming. And many churches will have a better show than us, you might say. But I pray that we will always be the place where the teaching of the word of God is job number one. And we we never want to lose that. Because people need to hear the word of God. Also, Jesus looked at this multitude with compassion because their need of healing. Jesus went everywhere healing, hurting people. We are surrounded in our community with hurting people. People who have broken families. People who have broken bodies, addictions. People who have emotional turmoil. People who have financial trouble. They have all of these these broken things that come with living in a sinful And what do we do? We we need to have a concern and a compassion for people that need this type. Jesus can heal them. Jesus can put their lives back together. And we need to be that place. People also, I, I think that we need to look at ourselves as a church, as a hospital. Not as a social club. And not as a, a place for holy people. We need to be looked at as a hospital for the broken and the battered and those that are in need of help. Jesus also took care of their need of food. He is cons- the Lord's concerned for every area of our life, not just to save our soul, but he's concerned with all of our needs, whether they're financial needs, whether they're physical needs, or whether uh, whatever he cares what's going on in our life. So we see that the first thing is when Jesus got out of the boat, the first thing he sees is people 
everywhere, people everywhere, and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep that didn't have anybody to lead them. Oh, may God give us that kind of vision for people who are lost. The story shows us Jesus' compassion for the multitudes, but it also shows us how he provided through this miracle. In Luke chapter 9, verses 12 to 14, as Jesus had taught them and he was healing them all day, in verse 12 it says, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. Disciples were kind of worried because it's getting nighttime. These people are, are, and we're all tired. It's been a long day and they need food. Now, these were people not from that area. Uh, They had been traveling for a long distance with Jesus and they were a long way from home. And the disciples were thinking, they're probably wanting supper time. And we don't have any food. And let them go into the village and maybe they can find some food there and a place to sleep there. Then verse 13, Jesus said to them, You give them something to eat. Us? We give them something to eat? Jesus, have you taken account yet? You know how many people are out there? There's 5,000 men here. And got some women and children here too. And all we have is we found this little boy that had Five loaves of bread and two fish. But what are they among so many? So in verse 14, for there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Now I don't think Jesus explained what he was going to do. He just says, okay guys, I want you to do this. I want you to, to get them organized in groups of 50. Now, do the math, okay? 10,000 people divided by 50. 200 different groups over sitting on the hillside. Just imagine all of these little pockets of people out there. And the the disciples come. Okay, we got them seated. What now? Well, as they prepare for the miracle, they, of course, have no clue what is going to happen. They wanted to send them away. But Jesus takes these five loaves in the performance of this miracle and the, three, and the two fish and the size of this little boy's lunch and then he starts passing it out. Now, I have no idea how that, that happens. As, as they, 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 Jesus comes and he performs this miracle and the disciples gather this in, probably in baskets and someone asked me before church, where did they get the baskets? I said, I don't know where they got the baskets, you know. Maybe Jesus made more baskets. I, I have no idea. But anyway, they came and they, they filled these baskets. The disciples start passing them out. He says, we need more bread. Okay, let's make some more. And he's up there performing this miracle, creating, creating bread and fish with his bare hands. Amazing. Feeding all of these people. And... They had 12 baskets full of leftovers after it was all. Just amazing what Jesus. Now, what is the significance of this miracle? Now, 
This is one of those that is included in all four gospel accounts. And really, what it does, it proves that he is the Messiah. It proves that he is who he said he is, the Son of God. Feeding people, giving them this bread, also shows that he is the bread of life. The source of that feeding would be the Lord himself. When their supply ran out, as with the bread and fish, they would just need to return to the Lord for more. What a powerful lesson that they had. But you know, there's something else that I notice in here. <clears throat> Jesus uses his servants. Now, in verse 1 and 2, he sent them out to heal and sent them out to preach the gospel. Now, of course, he was doing that. But he wanted his own disciples to get involved in doing that. So it seems like he's, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And they went out in his power and had the authority to do this in, in the name of Jesus. So they, they were sent out to do that. And now in this miracle, he says these words, You give them something to eat. He wanted them to think, okay, okay, I, how do we do this? The day is getting long. They were tired. It was out in the sticks. Their stomachs were growling. And they wanted to send them away. But Jesus said, you give them something to eat. He made them a part of the solution. Make them, make them think about what their responsibility was. You know, Jesus is always giving and saying to you and I as his followers, you give them something. You share the gospel with them. He wants us to be involved in inviting them into our home, to, to witness to them, to give them what they need, share a tract, give them a testimony. You invite them to church. God desires to use us. He desires to get us involved in this wonderful outreach of reaching people with the gospel of Christ. What a, 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 what a wonderful privilege. Now, God could have done this in different ways. He could have sent an angel to preach the gospel. He could have sent all kinds of wonderful miracles and things. No, he depends upon you and I to get the gospel of Christ out to this needy world. He says, you give them something to eat. They had to rely upon his power just as they needed to rely upon the power of Jesus to make those five loaves and two fish to go over this multitude, you and I have to rely on the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to do anything for him at all. We've got to depend upon him. We've got to look at our strength is not in our own flesh and blood. We depend upon him. And you might not, this little boy that approached Andrew and had five loaves and, and two fish, Andrew found him. That was so very little. But when you put that little bit in the hands of a powerful God, look what can happen. Little is much when God is in it. The widow only had a little money, but Jesus used it to teach the most powerful lesson on giving. I only have a little talent. What is that among so many? You put it in the hands of Jesus. It's amazing what he can do. I heard a story of about a man who was on a boat. 
And as, as it was, he got seasick. Any of you ever been on a boat and got seasick? Oh, my goodness. I still remember I had a Slim Jim before. And I tell you, there's nothing worse coming up than a Slim Jim. Oh, that was terrible. I was on Lake Michigan. Like, I still remember it. Well, this guy was sick, and he was down in the, the hold of the boat, or he's downstairs, and he had heard that there was this man that went overboard. And he heard everybody screaming, and everybody was up on board. They were doing things that he, he didn't know. I can't get out of my bunk. I, I can't do anything. But I can do one thing. He, he, he lit his flashlight, and he stuck it up to the porthole. I don't know what that's going to do, but anyway, he did that, and uh, then he got sick again, and he put it down. And then later on, after a few days, uh, he heard that this drowning man was saved. When this man got over his attack of sickness, he was up on deck one day and was talking to the man who was rescued. There's a man that went overboard, and he didn't know what he could do, but he stuck his light up in the porthole, and the saved man gave this testimony. He said he had gone down the second time. He was just going down again the last time when he put out his hand. Just then, he said, someone held a light at the porthole, and the light fell on this hand, and a man saw this hand and caught it, and it was pulled him into the lifeboat. It seemed like a small thing to do, to hold up the light, yet this man saved this man's life. You might not be able to do some great thing for God. Maybe you'll never preach in front of multitudes of people. Maybe you'll never sing before something. But if you could just hold up the flashlight for someone lost in the darkness of sin to find their way to the Savior, that little bit put in the hands of God is great. Well, these, these disciples had 12 baskets of leftovers. And you say, well, what was this for, you know? Well, I, I think what it is, it's a lesson. They, they took home this whole basket. Hey, I know a man that can do anything. And any time I have a need, the Lord can fill that basket. And I think those disciples were greatly encouraged by that. As we wind down this passage of Scripture... I want to say that this miracle also displayed who Jesus really was. In Luke 9, verse 20, it says here, Who do people say? He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, The Christ of God. Of course, this miracle shows that Jesus is the Son of Man, meaning he's concerned about people. He is compassionate for those who are like him, who is a, a man that was made like us, compassionate. He's also Christ, the son of the living God. And this, this miracle of feeding the 5,000 showed who Jesus was. He's not just a mere man. He is able. He's able to create things, able to make multitudes of bread and fish. He is the son of God. Also, it teaches us that he is the bread of life. In the passage in John chapter 6, after the feeding of the 5,000, in that verses of scripture, Jesus teaches about the bread of life. In John 6, 48, he says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are now dead. 
This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus was talking about eternal life through taking him, the bread of life, as your Savior. Of course, he was referring to our faith and our belief in him. We have eternal life. The Old Testament, they, they, they think of the wonderful provision that God gave for 40 years of the bread. Jesus says, I am that bread. I'm the bread of life. But your fathers ate, ate that bread, didn't give them eternal life. But you take me, you have eternal life. I read a story about uh, Max Lucado. He's a famous preacher and uh, writer. And Max Lucado tells the story about the day his wife, Denelin, called and asked him to stop at the store and buy a loaf of bread. Max soon arrived at the market and parked his car, entered the door, and was on his way to the bread aisle. And on the way to the bread, he spotted his favorite cereal, and he picked up a box. And then he thought, well, I wonder if we got any milk. Well, let's just go and get some milk as well. And so he put that in the, in the basket. The cold milk made him think of God's greatest gift to mankind, Oreo cookies. And he had to have a package of Oreo cookies, so he put those also in his cart. As he made his way, uh, as he was down the aisle of the Oreo cookies, there was also one of his other favorite snacks, barbecued potato chips. And so he picked up a bag, put them in the cart. Well, on his way to the checkout, he saw, he saw the ice cream cooler. And they had a two for buy one, get one free. So he got a couple things of ice cream there. So he, he, he was very proud of himself as he put his basket of things in the, in the, in the car and went home. And as he arrived at home, his wife looked at all of the purchases that he put on the table. And can you guess her question? Where's the bread? He had to go back to the grocery store because he had forgotten the big item, the one thing he was supposed to get. Any of you husbands ever do that? I see you're bowing your heads in repentance. The bread of life is Jesus Christ himself. This hungry world is feeding on the empty substitutes when what they really need is the bread of life. We can get very involved as Christians in our efforts of doing good. We can feed people. We can encourage them and help them and serve in various ways. Many churches can become like the forgetful husband. Our cart is so full of many interesting and enjoyable items but we dare not forget the one essential product. The only thing that can save people and nourish them in eternal life is Jesus Christ. Our main priority, don't forget the bread. Don't forget to give them Jesus Christ. Are you hungry for something this morning that this world cannot satisfy? Jesus is the bread of life 
And we as a church need to remember the master's command, you give them something to eat. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you very much for this miracle that your son Jesus performed and fed multitudes. God, people are coming to our neighborhood. There's multitudes of people everywhere. I pray that we would hear our master's call. You give them something to eat. I pray that as we have the bread of life, we would never forget our main job is to remember, don't forget the bread. And Lord, today as we transition our service into a, a memorial that tells us that, he, that Jesus is the bread of life. He gave his life. He, his body, his bread was broken to give us eternal life. And I pray that as we as believers that remember that service, our hearts would be drawn near to him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.